What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Spurlock 30 to the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40 to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that. Shotgun set. Three receivers left. And here's the snap, and the blitzer is picked up. Brady and he caught ball. Evans. He has the record at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans becomes the first NFL player in league history to record 1,000 yards or more in his first seven seasons and won a throw by Brady. Congratulations, Mike Evans. Who can forget? Looking again, looking again. Throws up the middle. That's intercepted at the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directly. Goes toward the end. Battle in. Intercepted, picked off in the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White, what a great second season. That's it for KC. Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. They can't stop the clock. We call them the Salty Dogs. Welcome into another episode of the Salty Dogs podcast. I like it. Episode. I finally said episode. You did. And by I, I mean Scott Smith. And uh, the other I is me, Jeff Ryan. And we are the Salty Dogs. We are. So I remember to say episode instead of edition. Yep. So the and other thing I've been wanting to do is say at the top. Go. We do questions from fans at the end. We do. Maybe sometimes you don't make it to the end and you don't know this or you don't know how to send us questions. We love answering your questions. We've had a couple really good weeks of them. A little light this week. You'll see. But uh, you can send questions to us at Salty Dogs, all one word, uh-huh. at Buccaneers. Look up Buccaneers if you don't know how to spell it. Right. Dot NFL dot com. Correct. Or you could just sing the song. B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S. Go Bucks. There but you don't go. throw the Go Bucks mark. No, don't do that. Okay. I like it. So I did it. I did it, Jeff. I finally did it. Wow. Episode you- what? 300? Yeah, you made notes and everything. I like I it. I didn't. It's not written. Oh. I have other notes. I, I know, always have notes. You always have notes. <laughs> so, uh, later in this podcast, we are going to have staff writer Bree Dix on with on with us. Mm-hmm. She joined us, actually, on April, whatever the first day draft of the draft day. was. Yep. And so, therefore, she's been here for, what, four or five months now. We had her on once before. Kind of give everybody introduction to her. Bucks fans. Yep. Uh, let her show off her football knowledge, which is deep. It's very. But in specific, she has been on the the Cowboys beat for a few years before coming here. And so, hey, we're playing the Cowboys. And it's a good lead-in. So. And so let's have her come in and tell us everything she knows about the Cowboys last year, their big defensive turnaround, what happened on offense as the season went along, what they've done since then, yep. who we should worry about, who are going to be the tough players to beat. It's like a viewing guide. <clears throat> yes, it's very good. And she's also written a scouting report that will go up tomorrow. Very if you good. want to read that. On if you're listening to this right now, it would be Wednesday. That would be today, yeah. Yeah, we get confused because some days we post immediately and other days it's a day late. So we're going to get into the Cowboys a little bit. Okay. Because uh, the game's only a few days away now, but not too deep because we're going to have Bree help us sure. with that. First thing, from a Buck standpoint, if you, if there was any news this week, because there really isn't a lot of news because no. all the cuts have already been made, um, it's that uh, head coach Todd Bowles revealed that Jamel Dean would be the second starting quarterback opposite Carlton Davis. Yeah. Were you surprised by that? I wouldn't have been surprised by either answer, but maybe just a little bit because I was asked by somebody a couple days before that who I thought it would be. And I said, I don't really know. But since Sean Murphy Bunting has been getting most of the first team snaps, I'll just go with Sean. Sure. But that's not what they – That's they went with Jamel, and they said Sean had a nice camp in a preseason. It's just that Jamel was a little better. Right. 
Uh, it's a good problem to have. Devin White was saying yesterday that the evolution in Jamel's game is he's attacking the football now. So he's he's big and fast and has always been good at getting to the right spot. But he wasn't getting the football or right. knocking down the football. Now he's And we saw this in training camp, and the coaches saw it, basically. They, they saw this in training camp every day. He's making plays on the ball. Casey Rogers said he would sit down uh, in the me- in the meeting room with the coaches, and he'd be sitting next to Kevin Rock, Kevin Ross, uh-huh. nicknamed Rock, yep. uh, our cornerbacks coach. And every day, Kevin Ross would say he made a, he made a couple more plays on the ball. Yeah. So it's a good thing. It's that Sean Murphy budding didn't do anything wrong, and I firmly believe that we will need all of our cornerbacks before it's all said and done. Right. It's just the the question is, it probably wouldn't have mattered as much last year or the year before when you basically were starting three corners all the time because mm-hmm. those three, one of them was in the nickel a mm-hmm. lot. Not yep. always. We don't know exactly how much, but it looks like an Antoine Winfield's going to get some play in the slot. So you may not use your third corner as much. Which, but he will get – he will play. Yeah, he's not, it's not like he's been benched. That's It's not one of those roles. Oh, and we're going to need him. Yeah, well – You need all kinds of uh, cornerback depth. I was know. just going to say, as the year goes on, I mean, well, look at last year. We lost one in the first game. Yeah, Sean. Yeah. So and hopefully it won't be like last year when it was like a cornerback got hurt every game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still have to plan or at least prepare. But, that, but that's interesting because that was a battle that Todd Bowles had talked about in the very beginning that – there was a battle in that position. Yeah, he did say so. You know, and specifically that position. Everybody, competition, all of that, we always hear that. But that was singled out as this is mm-hmm. definitely going to be a competition. Who's who's going to get it? And so, we'll have to wait and see. Well, Jamal. Yeah, well, I know that when he was he saying it, he oh, said we'll okay. have to wait and see. So Carlton Davis, I think, at this point is pretty much proven to be a top-notch NFL quarterback. Yep. Cornerback. Mm-hmm. He, of course, wants to get more interceptions, and you can understand that. Um how, fr- how f- just a sidebar on that. How frustrating is it? I mean, for the fans, but I mean for him to have the, that many opportunities and not be able to to hang on to the ball. And you know, I get everybody. Oh, you got to hang on to the ball. It's like no kidding. He knows this, but the mental. Yeah, I don't know state that he has I, to. He go seems through. pretty mentally strong. Oh yeah, no, uh, no question. But uh, I'm just saying is that. But he ha- he has said that he will be working on that. Yeah, and it, it's not just dropping opportunities. It's Maybe getting your head around at the yep. right time, or get, even getting your hands up there to have a chance at it, or uh, reading the receiver and knowing his eyes and and knowing when the pass is about to arrive. Those of like us that. in the stands always say, "Oh, you should have caught that ball." <laughs> <laughs> I I had one I should have caught. And do you remember for a short while uh, under Gruden when they did one buck bands? Yeah, sure. We didn't have enough personnel. So. Well, you, he just wanted to run some. Um, Drills that at least gave an illusion of defense. Sure. But you couldn't do offense versus defense at that point. Right. <clears throat> so a number of us employees were drafted into being like a, a 11 on defense and for a couple drills. Didn't last for a long, a few weeks. Somebody broke their foot or something. Yeah, I wonder who. Stopped doing it. it wasn't yeah. me. No. No, it wasn't me. I'm not, I know who it was. I'm that's gonna, when. I'm going to leave the name unnamed. That's when, that's when they went. Oh, this might not be a good idea. Exactly. <laughs> that was before there was an HR department, so to speak. <laughs> so I was playing quote unquote safety um, and I think it was Brian Greasy who threw the pass and just out of sheer luck, I happened to be right in the right spot. I could have had an interception off an NFL quarterback. And I had my hands up and as the pass is coming, I'm thinking, Oh, maybe we're not supposed to do that. Oh yeah. There's there definitely right. practices where they don't want you batting balls down and stuff. Right. And so I pulled my hands down, let the ball go over my head. 
And Raheem Morris started yelling, Scott, why didn't you catch it? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I could have. Now, I might not have caught it. I might have yeah. dropped it. Right. But well, I was wh- in position out of sheer luck to have caught it, you, and, and I what he, passed on the chance. But here's the good news. You didn't, you didn't drop it. You just elected not yeah, to go so for it. so I didn't it. get caught dropping yeah. the ball. Yeah, you didn't get, you didn't get <laughs> I demoted. I dropped the ball figuratively, yes. but not literally. Yes, <laughs> that's funny. Raheem but, Morris yelling at you. Boy. But we deg- I mean, in a fun way. Well, no, I'm just saying is when you – you know, I, you do this for a number of years and you start talking about different people that you have crossed paths yeah, with. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's funny in the yeah. sense of, oh, yeah, Raheem Morris, when he was in yeah. basically uh, an assistant intern or whatever it was. Oh, this is probably, yeah, yeah. I don't know how far along it was. He was a quality control coach maybe yeah, at the something beginning. Yeah, like that. But that's, yeah, control. but an entry level I don't position. remember. Oh, this is Brian Greasy, so it was probably more like. Oh, like yeah, that would be later on. Yeah, yeah that would be. His Super Bowl year was when he was he was a, first like in. a D D Q C yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah that's where he got to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so still, and he's still going. Astray. Yeah, and he's yeah. not on that team, was it? No, he came in uh, later on in Gruden's years. Yeah, he was here for. I know. For a year. Uh, I have a coworker upstairs who used to share a cubicle. Cubicle. With Sean yeah, they were interns together, basically. <laughs> How about that? Um, wonder, wonder what wrong with his career. His, his career's going just fine, thank you. Um, I always tease him about that. The other starting job that wasn't specifically named going into the final preseason game. A uh, quarterback position? Yeah. <laughs> um, was left guard. Uh-huh. But coach has said what we expected. Sure. That it was It's Luke Gedeke, the rookie. And so, I thought I thought he I thought he improved from, you know, as you, you looked from the OTAs to training camp to game. It's hard to you tell. Could, yeah, but in the games, you could see that there was something, you know. He's, he, I mean, here's my other thing. What would Who else would have gone other than? Nick Leverett. Okay. They're Brandon happy, they're, Walton. They're happy with Nick. Well, they, Nick and, Leverett and Brandon Walton both made the team. Right. Bucks kept nine. They actually kept ten because they kept Ryan Jensen, but then put him in IR. So you got two backup tackles in Fred Johnson and Josh Wells and two backup interior guys in Brandon Walton and Nick Leverett. Mm-hmm. Leverett has the versatility to play center in all three interior spots. Brandon Walton has right and left guard flexibility, and then he even was a tackle when he got here. So he, he conceivably could fill in a tackle in a pinch. Yeah, if you're if you're a big guy and you want to get into football, you just got to be an O-lineman and learn every position. You got to be versatile. Very much so. Because you only dress either seven or eight offensive linemen on game day and that's not enough to back up every position obviously so you have to have a couple guys that you can count on to step in at several positions right. yeah so if now with ryan jensen out the the second option at center where robert hainsey is starting would be nick leverett and nick would probably be the second option at would one of the guard spots would you say the question and i don't even know if it's fair to say question mark but would you say the first concerns for this first game would be the O-line. Yeah, and for both teams. Yeah. And Bree will tell us a little bit more about how what's happened with Dallas's offensive line. But both teams have had to make a lot of changes, and not all of it by choice. No. The Buccaneers certainly didn't choose to have Ryan Jensen get his, you know. They've known for quite some time that Alex Kappa was gone in free agency, and you can't, you can't no. resign everybody. Guys get their opportunities, and he, he got a good contract from the Bengals. And good for him. Yeah, and the Bucks managed to keep Carlton Davis and uh, Chris Godwin yeah. and a number of others. Um, and then, you know, you didn't I, – I guess probably Ali Marpet had told the coaches and yeah. the GM along the way that this was a possibility. Yeah, if there was a curveball during the offseason, that was the biggest curveball. For us, I think yeah. – I think maybe the, that – 
Bruce Arians then, and then Todd Bowles maybe had a bit of an inkling that it was a possibility. So, and then Ryan Jensen, of course, goes down on the second day of camp, and there's obviously still hope that he can make it back at some point, maybe the playoffs, because they made a point of getting him through the 53 before yeah. putting him on injured reserve. They must have a really good feeling about that to to go ahead and, and go the way they did it. Yeah. It's, I mean, might as well. Hedge your well, bets. <clears throat> it would be a great addition. It'd be like, hey, the Buckers wow. are adding a Pro Bowl center. Just That'd yeah, be true. Um, so that's pretty much, I think the lineups are pretty much set at this point. Yep. Uh, there's not, other than the Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy bunting one, which we just didn't know the answer to. I don't think there's a bunch of surprises. Uh, it was good to see Mike Edwards take advantage of the opportunity to be an every down player. It looked like that went well in the, in training camp and the, the joint practices. And that allows the Bucks to use Antoine Winfield in a very um, multiple role. That's what I'm most excited about to see how Todd moves, moves everybody around because now he, mm-hmm. he's in a situation where he can change it up. You may, you, you can't necessarily decide what someone's going to do just because of the personnel that's there. Right. You know, so I'm kind of a, excited about watching that i i personally think defensively we're going to be good i do too and i will say we <laughs> uh, the akeem hicks um addition is probably going to prove to be bigger than we even realized at the time wow. he was amazing in training camp we were standing out yesterday yeah. uh labor day we well, well we have to put this out there we worked labor day we always worked we labor always day. worked labor day but we were watching practice and i said to you gosh look how big Hicks is, he, yeah, he's making everybody look small. You said at the time he even makes Vita Vea look small. I'm not sure I'm on board with that. Tall wise, he's taller. Yes, Yes. but hey, Vita Vea named a team captain. Yeah, I don't mean this in a negative way, but I didn't see that one coming. No, and it's great for him. Uh, I saw him in the hallway yesterday and and said congratulations. And I was teasing him. I go, you know, you got to talk to the media about being a captain. (laughs) And he's like, really? I go, well, you know, Wednesday because the open locker room is now closed. Um, Because that is something that players have to readjust to. Open locker room? Yes, because for the last two years, there has been no open locker room. I'm sure they loved it, too. Oh, I'm sure they did. And now it is fully opened and so that's where the media gets to talk to a player if you can find one so the five captains are so far mm-hmm. five captains are tom brady and mike evans on offense those are the same two as last year yep um devin white and levante david along with vita on defense which so makes sense devin and levante are also repeats uh last year we had two two and two because we had two special teams captains but they were bradley pinion and, and kevin minter uh-huh. neither of whom are still with us so they're leaving the sixth spot open for a special teams captain that I think they'll determine once they get in the season see who really are the leaders on that. Because right. that's a lot of young players that we're counting on on special teams. There's not a lot of veteran presence there. I mean, your kicker, I guess, but your kicker's not involved in all of your special team stuff. You'd rather have it be a guy who's a little bit more involved, mm-hmm. which is why Kevin Minter was one. Um, you, you obviously have a veteran kicker, but – you got a lot of young guys that are going to be in key spots and, and waiting to see. Uh, Patrick O'Connor maybe could be one. He plays an awful um, lot on special teams. Um, we'll see. Maybe. Well, the, the special teams are going to be um, – those coaches are going to have their hands full, no question, because you uh, so many new parts yeah. for it. And special teams is was had its struggle in the preseason. Yeah, some of that was um, – By design. By, not They didn't design it to struggle, right. but – they told Jake, especially on punt coverage, they told Jake Camarda, who's got a huge leg, but can also 
kick it a little higher with, with hang time. Right. But he can boom blast away too and, and kick it 60 yards. And by doing that, you greatly reduce the chance of a fair catch because they wanted to see how these cover guys, they were sure. using lots of different gunners. They wanted to give them a shot. And, and so it was, it was a tough situation for those gunners. But, yeah, and it was a lot of – a lot of times it was guys that aren't on the roster anymore. No. So I don't think you can read a whole lot into that. It does make sense, though, because a lot of times, you know, you don't get a return. And how are you going to watch guys if you can't yeah, get a return? Exactly. So they want to force sure. it. Yep. Force it. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. That also means that Jay Camardo will be the kickoff guy because mm -hmm. we saw them also using Jose Borregales, but Jose didn't win the job. No. So And Ryan Suckup is not, as, is not really a kickoff I'm guy. I'm waiting for him to get picked up. Hasn't, though. I've been checking. No. Especially with the kicker carousel we've had around the NFL the last couple of weeks. Would have thought he'd get a shot somewhere. You would think. I bet he it's still early, does. though, too. He's, I bet he still does. Um, so, and they're leaving that one spot open for his captain. And then, of course, Vita Vea. And, you know, you think of Vita Vea as sort of a fun-loving guy. Maybe kind of quiet around the... Very. Apparently, he does talk during games. But it's like good-natured stuff. Yeah. And, and Devin was saying... He's too nice. He says, "I'm, te I'm telling you, you're too nice to be to be you know to be talking with the opposition out here. You're like he, a big teddy bear." He was he was pretty funny in Below the Surface when we were in. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you haven't seen it, Below the Surface is a feature. It's on Buccaneers.com and Buccaneers app. Uh, you need to check out the one when we were in Tennessee yeah. when he's in the hot tub. Only room for one person. <laughs> <laughs> Only room for one. It's pretty funny. So he's. He, I mean, it's it's a sign of growth for him through his yeah. career that he would. Coach Bull said a lot of guys voted for him, and we obviously don't see day to day and meeting to meeting and practice mm -hmm. to practice. Obviously, he's well, he's more of a leader. Yeah, he's certainly a leader with his play. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, but so I'm I'm excited about seeing him and Akeem Hicks together yeah, next week. That to that is going to be uh, something to watch. Which is a question: How much will the Cowboys try to run? Last year, yeah, Devin White was saying yesterday that last year when the Cowboys came in here. The Buccaneers, the, see, the previous two years, the Buccaneers had been ranked number one in, in run defense in 19 and, and number one in 2020. And so this was the first game of 2021. But then White said they thought that the Cowboys wouldn't care. They were going to come in and do what they do and try to establish the run with their big backs anyway. And as it turned out, they really didn't. Right. They, they either never were going to or quickly abandoned the run game and, and uh, Dak Prescott threw the ball 58 times. It's <laughs> crazy. And so this time, Devin White says that we're, they're prepared for for any of the Dallas might come in and try to establish a run this time, or they might just use the bombs short away, game. yeah, and use the short passing game to simulate runs. Uh, I wonder how much the coaches go back to that game and look at it. Well, you got to you got to know that the other coaches are too. Yeah, that's what I'm, I mean. So, just. You can't just say, well, we know what they did last year, so now we know what they're going to do. Because yeah. they're, they're thinking, well, we can't do that exact same thing. Who knows? It'll be – it'll it, – well, I can't believe it's already here, though. And when I say here, in the next few days. Yeah. It, football starts We'll in be on the road two days. in four days, mm -hmm. traveling. Yeah. Back on the team plane, baby. Yeah, that's it. No commercial flight for you this week. So, as as we'll talk a little bit more um, when Bree's here, this is a matchup of the top two scoring teams from last year. Yeah. So that's exciting on the Sunday night spotlight. Well, uh, NBC must have really wanted it because to get to Sunday night spot, you know, they, they you got to they they networks really push. Sunday night for, is the big game, and that was one of the highest rated last year when the Bucks in Dallas. And of course, it was the Thursday game, and it was the Opening, but it, but it was one of the highest rated games, period. 
Huh. You so, always know the ratings. I well, guess it's part of your job. It so. is, kind of. I don't like following ratings, but I just, you know. The question for me, I think the question is, how good are the Cowboys going to be? I remember yeah. a year ago, uh, it was, you know, 2020, because their defense had been so bad and because Dak Prescott had been hurt for a good portion of that right. season. I don't remember what their record was, but I don't think it was a playoff season, and I don't think it was a particularly good season. No, and they weren't. They were. They, they were having a good season until Dak went down, and then it just yeah, faded th- out. That combined with how bad their defense was, mm-hmm. it just it, 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 it ended badly. So, but I remember, I really do remember thinking last year, as the season was beginning, that that, that was a tough draw, and that the Cowboys were going to be good. Mm-hmm. That was going to be a tough game, which it was, and they were going to be good. Now they they had some ups and downs, which Bree will go over with us, but they did win twelve games. Uh, they did what has been driving Cowboys fans crazy for a couple decades yeah. and immediately lost in the playoffs. Who'd they lose to right away? San Francisco. That's right. That's 23-17. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Do we remember the way the game yeah, ended? No, uh, yeah, the way the game ended, when yeah. They thought he had enough time to run a uh-huh. quarterback draw. Oops. He did not. <laughs> because Dak Prescott handed the ball directly to his center. Yep. And so then the ref, not allowed ref to do that. line judge maybe. Yep. Line judge has to touch the ball and place it. Correct. So the, he still had to run up, pick it up, move it before they could snap. Right. And so it, that made them mad. They blamed some Cowboy fans still blame, blame the refs for that loss, but they had to do it. So you didn't have enough time. But what was funny during our Jets game, one of our receivers made a catch as we were going as we were as the last drive, caught it, went down, got up, and ran to the official and handed him the ball to place down. Yeah, smart. So he knew the yeah. – and I can't remember who it was. I'll have to think about it. It wasn't the touchdown pass. It was the one before. Yeah, well, when but anyways, yes. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, isn't it funny, though, that you think, you know, it's a little detail like that. Can, well, also, but the other thing to remember about that is let if he did manage to clock it, to spike it to stop the clock mm-hmm. – they would have had like one second left, so one play, and they were at like their 36-yard line, and they needed a touchdown. So there was still a very much of a long shot that they were going to win that game because yeah. they need they have one play from the 36 to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Not high odds there. No. So let's remember that too when we blame the refs. Yeah. Well, yeah. They would have liked to. Have, they well, would have liked to have had that shot, but they maybe didn't as necessarily deserve. The Tampa Bay Buccaneer former head coach Tony Dungy said, "Don't leave the games in the hands of the official. <laughs> Just play your game." So. We'll go with that. Um, so yeah, in 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 the Dallas game last year, it was the shootout that everybody expected. They had 450 yards. We had 430. Um, but then, you know, when it came down to it, there was Tom Brady. Yeah, leading a game-winning drive in the last 90 seconds. Suck up made the kick, and and it was just another. Well, I'm so awfully glad we have Tom Brady yeah. because this is what he does. Well, yeah, you're not out of it until you're out of it with him. So. You know, a good thing, Jeff, as we head into the season, you got to be pretty happy about the overall health of this of this roster. Putting aside Not Conwood, putting yes. aside first that you yes you lost Ryan Jensen, uh-huh. yes you lost Cam Gill, mm-hmm. yes you lost Aaron Stenny. Yeah, so far you're doing good. <laughs> but every, most teams have yeah. su- sustained some kind of injuries. We're not going into the season with a bunch of guys that need to go on pop or or, mm-hmm. um, or injured reserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Bowles said on Monday that everybody was trending towards being available to play on Sunday. Yeah. That's Which, pretty remarkable. When he says that, that's the big question of does Chris, Chris Godwin play? play? Yeah. yeah. And 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 who? how do you make that call? Because that's tough. I'll tell you what I think will happen. 
I think he will suit up. Okay. I think he will play, but I don't think he'll play a full complement of plays. All right. Because uh, you have Russell Gage now. So Chris Godwin, our slot receiver position, especially with Tom Brady here, yeah. is so important. Right. Remember, he caught 98 passes in 14 games last yep. year. But we have Russell Gage now who can also operate very well out of the slot. So you can ease Chris in a little bit. Get him that first contact that yeah, coach that's was talking about. Yep. So you're thinking, your your thought process, he he dresses and he plays he plays a he couple plays plays, gets hit a couple of times. Or 20 plays. Sit him down. Let's wait to see how you feel about being hit. Yeah, I don't know the exact mechanics of it, yeah. but just that you don't need to rush him back into fifty plays. No. At all, you know, because you can put in it if when he sits out, you can put Russell Gage in the slot and Julio Jones on the outside. And we saw in that final preseason game the <laughs> weapon that Julio Jones can still be. Uh-huh. So I'm not worried at all. You give me Mike and Julio and Russell in the slot, and then you still got Scotty Miller to mix in there, Jalen it, Darden. It's pretty remarkable that Chris is coming back as fast as he is. Yes. Even where, even to the point of doing walkthrough practices or being practices. And then uh, yesterday he didn't have a brace on. Right. You pointed that out immediately to me that, hey, he doesn't have a brace on, which is I kind of like what Todd said. It's always a good thing if you don't have to wear a brace. Yeah. <laughs> so He that, said first that, well, we were only yeah. in spiders, not full pads. So yeah. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I don't see why it would matter. The part of practice <clears throat> where you would find out, you'd get a yep. guess as to how much Chris is going to play. We can watch it. The media has to leave. Yeah, we could watch it and maybe do a little bit, but we can't mm-hmm. report on it. Well, it'll be what'll be the big key is uh, in it, and I. This is the part I enjoy is being at the stadium really, really early and watching guys go out on their own. Mm-hmm. It gives you an idea of what's going on, and you start looking to see who's on the field, who isn't on the field. And when you're doing your radio hit, a lot of times you're seeing yeah. guys on the field that you're like, okay, That's this is good. That's how we saw that Joe Tryon Shrenka wasn't going to play in uh-huh. the last game. Because right. he was out there running with the guys we knew weren't playing. Correct. So that's always that, – that'll be the big-time – deal for this particular game but that's you know okay who else had been like russell gage had been down for mm-hmm. a while um <clears throat> tristan Wirfs had been out a little bit and you don't want to be without him yeah um yeah else, he didn't play who else was banged less. up um giovanni bernard has been banged up i think too though is zion mccullum right but a lot of times you know you look at a guy and you say how much do i need to see if he's a little well, mixed sure, up so sure. um i think it's interesting too is that um, the body has to get back into football. I'm not sure if that was Devin White saying it or someone was talking about returning. And when you return, you have to your body has to go back into football mode hmm. where you know you're going to get pounded. You know you're going to have issues, but you forget about it. When I think you know what maybe it was Leonard Fournette was talking about that being in the football mode, hmm. and so. Um, Ready or not, you better be in the football mode now because here it comes. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. Did you see – here's something um, pretty unusual. How many quarterbacks do you think the Cowboys have on their roster, their 53-man roster? Well, I would say three just because that seems to be the norm. How many? They have one qu- – One. Really? Yeah. Why? So what they've done right now is they've taken both of their – Did backups. you get a depth chart already? 
Yeah. Well, I looked it up. I mean, okay. you can look on the roster. You don't have yeah. to have a depth chart for this. No, I did look it, at the roster because I heard this and I wanted to verify. Yeah, it. but the game depth chart hasn't come out yet. The first. Oh, game, the, the flip yeah, card? The flip card hasn't come out yet. The I Bucks sent out their release, which okay. has depth charts in it, a couple hours ago. So the Cowboys uh, probably will, too. I didn't too. look at it yet. Okay. Uh, the last time I checked, their website did not have a depth chart on it. Yeah. The page was blank. Yeah. Um, the flip card's the most valuable thing Flip ever. card, yeah. Uh, but since it's, a, since it's an away game. Yeah. We may not see it until we get there. Right. PR will because they proofread it. But right. anyway, Will Greer and Cooper Rush are mm-hmm. the Cowboys' two backups to Dak Prescott, and they put both of them on the practice squad. Wow. Which, man, that gives you a lot of roster spots to work with because we're carrying three. They but got what? two extra spots to work with. So, But they will activate one, the, So they've got each guy can be elevated three times. Okay. So they got at least six weeks' worth of – Right, being able to just elevate but, a guy from the practice squad. But he's got, when do you, you need to be elevated before the game begins. You need, but, yeah, you yeah. get to elevate two guys every week. Okay, so, so presumably they they won't go into a game with only one quarterback. Okay. So they will elevate either Greer or Rush, and then they'll use now, one of them for three games and one of them for three games, and then they'll have to sign one of them to the active roster. It certainly does give you a lot of flexibility. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's an interesting. Well, um, I mean, it also, but it also means they don't have. A quality backup because if they did, they wouldn't be able to cut them and then sign them to practice. Well, that's true. Or they're not overly concerned about losing them, right? Okay. So if, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't take your guy and put him on the practice squad, and someone right. could. So we keep a quarterback on the practice yeah, squad, Ryan right? Griffin, right? But we really aren't in a position to go even down to two. No, because they're not. They're not giving up on. I don't mean to use the term "giving up," but they want to keep Kyle Trask around, even though he probably doesn't factor into our plans this year at all. Right. They definitely don't want to submit him. Submit right. him to waivers, no. and then they—I don't think they would be willing to, to risk losing Blaine Gabbert either. No, because you need that experience. Still so there. we have to carry three now. But man, if you could do two or one, that would give you a lot of roster flexibility. Wow. Well, that's it. I wonder. Who, I, I wonder if anybody else has done that. I, I have mean, never seen that before. No, and it, it's a limited thing. It can't last forever because, yeah. like I said, you can only yeah. do it for six games. But still. But still, you can help you out, especially yeah. if you got a couple tweener guys you know, and you're not sure who you want to keep. Yeah. Or, you know, Six games into the season, you might have lost a guy or two to injury and you'll uh-huh. have an open spot anyway. Sure. So I'm sure they think that it'll all develop fine over the time. But mm. uh, That's being creative. Okay. One more thing I want to get to. Okay. I, I have a rant. We have time. I have a rant. Uh, you have a rant? I have a rant. Oh, goodness. Should I just turn my microphone off no. and step back? I think I've t- discussed this before, but I was reading another story that did this again, and it drives me crazy, the way that sports writers commonly describe a trade involving draft picks. Oh. And, Jeff, these are these are sports writers that I like. Yeah. These are websites and sources <laughs> that I think are very good. <laughs> these are the good ones. These are within <laughs> articles that I think are good articles. <laughs> these are from people who do their homework. These are good writers, Jeff, but the – I'm not going to name any names because it's they could probably, possibly, probably easily criticize my writing more than I can criticize theirs. Okay. So I don't mean to be a critic. This just but this drives is, me crazy. This is Scott's pet peeve. It's like seeing Super Bowl written as one word. All right. It's terrible. It's right. So I'll give you an example because this is one I was reading about. Trey Lance, the 49ers quarterback. They traded up a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 15 months ago, in the draft with the Dolphins. To get to, I think, three, maybe, in order to draft Trey Lance. What they traded was their 12 overall for the three overall. Correct. Then they also gave up their 20, their first-round picks in 2022. and No, 
They also gave up another first in 2022 and a, a first in 2023. Okay. All right. And a third. Okay. So they they sent three first round picks and a third to Miami for one first round pick. But these writers will write it. The 49ers traded away three first round picks to get Trey Lance. That's not true. They because they their first their number twelve pick they, Is just, they it became a three. It got right, better. Right. They traded two firsts. To and get, the third right. to, to make get, their first round pick uh, nine okay. picks better. So yeah, so you're yeah they well, you could say they they traded they traded uh, I guess you could say they traded three first round picks, but then got one first round pick back. Right, a they third, they, three first they, and a third, four but, a first. Yes, for right. Or you can say, yeah. which I think is a more descriptive way, sure. they traded up from twelve to three, and the but, cost was two more firsts. Yeah. Now, they did spend three firsts. You can say it that way, too. Sure. They spent three firsts on Trey Lance. That's true. Right. Because they, their own and the two that they gave up. Yeah. By saying you gave up three first-round picks, it's like you didn't have a first, You don't have any picks. Well, they, write, you, they yeah. traded three first-round picks right. to, to move up and get Trey Lance. Yeah. Or they traded away three first-round picks to get Trey Lance. Correct. They traded two, used one. One. You right. can say they used three yeah. or spent three, but they didn't trade away three first-round picks. Okay. I wonder how many people right now are thinking about this. Or or they tuned it out because they don't care. No, no. I mean, it's, it's it's a pet peeve for me. It doesn't but, mean anybody else cares. But no, it is. It is. You see it written that way all the time. Yeah, Not the way you're talking about it, but the way you you have the described. Way I don't like. Yeah, the way you don't like is that they always say, "Yeah, they gave up three for this," and they you go, "Spent three or something." Right. They right. trade. They'll say they traded th- three first round picks to the Dolphins to get mm-hmm. Trey Lance. Yeah. Hmm. I, it's a pet peeve. I, I don't know if a lot of well, people Or they share could say they game. swapped a 12 for a third round. A, 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 they, their first round pick position was a 12, swapped it for a first round position of three, and then gave up two first the, round picks. The cost of moving up nine yep. spots was two more picks. Right. And the third rounder. Oh, that's very well said. You should write stuff like that. Seriously, the easiest fix is to say they used three first yeah. round picks to get Trey Lance, because that is true. Well, maybe we'll start a new trend. Because it makes it sound like they. Yeah, they just gave it up. Right, right. I see where you're coming from. Okay. All right. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm better now. Wow. You actually just, I'm actually pacing around. I was just going to say, just so people know, when he said he was going to rant, he got up. And <laughs> I'm like thinking, okay, that's why I said, should, I turn, the, for this, should I turn the microphone down I, and should I run? I read I just, this article a couple of days ago and I, and I wrote this down immediately. I got to talk you about You got to talk about that. Okay. Well, that's good. Good. What else you got? Uh, did you want to keep going, or do you want to get the fans' questions? Well, we can uh, we can uh, uh, we can go get Bree, and then okay. uh, we'll do that, and then we'll do fan questions. How's that? That's I forgot about the whole Bree part. In there, there you go. Okay, that sounds good. The Salty Dogs, and we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast. As I noted earlier, I am Scott Smith, and as always, I'm Jeff Ryan. And we're joined now by an honorary Salty Dog. She's not old enough or salty enough to really be a Salty Dog. <laughs> but it's Brianna Dix, our staff writer, and this is the second I don't time. Know. She can kind of throw the zingers out there. So this <laughs> is not, let's not play this like, oh, a little Miss Innocent is joining us <laughs> I right now. there's more sweet than salty in that. All right, you go with that. Uh, we've had Brianna on, Brianna on before, or Bri, as everybody calls her, because it was when she had just arrived and we were introducing her to... Buccaneer fans mm-hmm. back in the spring. Yep. But we have her back again for a rare second appearance for a very specific reason, Jeff. And I would say probably because where she had come from. Bree has been on the <laughs> Cowboys beat. 
She is an expert on yes. all things cowboys. We'll, we'll determine that before I, this I, is you over will with. See. <laughs> she has also already this week prepared a scouting report that will go oh, up yeah. on the website tomorrow. So okay. even any cracks there might have been in the knowledge since she's been that have developed and since she's turned her attention to the Buccaneers right. have been filled in. Is that right, Bree? Yes. So, in other words, her, uh, it'll come out on Wednesday since we're recording this on Tuesday. That's so when her story yes. will come out. That's okay. also in this podcast. All right. Very it's good. A bit, it's a bit lengthy. It's like <laughs> she knows Why? a lot about the Cowboys. That's the yeah. point I'm trying to make here. Now, is it all hype? Because no. usually America's Ooh, team no. is, no, you no, know, no, no. I mean, no. they haven't won a Super Bowl since, what, 95. So Let yes, me. the year I was born. Oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> Gee, that's what we needed to hear. The Cardinals yeah. lost the World Series the year I was born. Really? No, no, they didn't. They lost in 68. Oh, I was born in 69. OK, um, I'll give you an example, Jeff. Please do. The Dallas Cowboys led the league in scoring last year. Now, you and I, mm -hmm. and we also saw them in week one. And we did. they looked really explosive. They did. We yeah. barely got out of that with victory. Yep. Yep. Uh, I would look at those numbers, not having fouled the Cowboys on a weekly basis, and say, everything's hunky-dory with that offense. Right. Uh, they should be in great shape. It was must have been a great story for the offense all year. They led the league in storing. Bree, tell us why that's a little misleading. Yes. Well, a lot of that is a facade that masks <laughs> the remainder of the year because you put up they put up these insane numbers at the beginning half of the season and then things started to deteriorate in the second half of the year following the Broncos game and Dak's calf injury and then teams started using a blueprint as a lot of teams had called she it did but quote using uh -huh. yeah but using that too high shell and the Cowboys which is a lot of the reason why Dalton Schultz, Cedric Wilson had the impact they did over the middle of the field, but they should have been able to counteract that with, you know, cover two beaters, stuff over the middle of the field, those intermediate routes, and they weren't able to do that. But also they weren't able to establish the run against light boxes. That's the problem. Yes. And it was, and a lot of that is due, they had, their offensive line was all over the map last season, um, had the most penalties in the league, which a lot of times when you would have, okay, Tony Pollard would get a gain for 10 yards, well, then you'd have a holding penalty and that would be brought back. Or Dalton Schultz would have a player with the middle field that's brought back. So a lot of the, the issues they had in, throughout the year was due to that for the most part. And Dak really benefits out of that playatric-centric offense with his ability to extend plays outside of the pocket. And he wasn't – he wasn't as he had a little bit of hesitation last season following the calf injury where they didn't want to use him on those designed rollouts or whatever the case may be. And so that regard. And so he was stuck trying to be that 35 plus pocket passer when they didn't have a run game. And it was an absolute disaster. Well, wow. did she prove the point, Jeff? I guess. I thought you would also say, and you probably would eventually have gotten to it, that the Dallas Cowboys led the league in scoring over the Buccaneers, but they also had nine return touchdowns. Yeah. That's not offense. No. Eight defense and I think one kickoff return. That's not offense. Well, this is both. This is the first time in NFL history, I believe, that uh, top two offenses are meeting again for the first game wow. of the uh, regular season. It's the rare Jeff Ryan. It's uh, it's Dallas and uh, the Bucks. Just kind of. They are one two. They are one two. They're also one two, one, two in offense. Yep. There you go. Yards that is and. Bucks were one and How's passing. that out of nowhere, right? Might add that into my power ranking. You, you should. I you. mean, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so, so the point then to summarize is it probably had a lot to do with offensive line issues because yes. they have Ezekiel Elliott and maybe wasn't – he was a little banked up too, right? Yes. And they had Tony Pollard who, I, from all the Cowboys fans I run into, 
always tell me that Tony Pollard is better than Zeke Elliott. Certainly has big play potential. Yes. They look, and and for many, 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 many years, the Cowboys have had a dominant offensive line. as They have Zach Martin still. They Mm -hmm. had until he tore a hamstring, Tyron Smith. Um, They've had other guys. Yeah. But it had to be. Given what they had, I almost have to feel like it had to be the upheaval on the offensive line that was the issue. And then, like you said, if they were giving them light boxes to have more guys, more guys in coverage, mm-hmm. they should have been able to run against that. Yeah. And when they couldn't, that was the problem, right? Right. Well, and a lot of the – because Zach Martin is so good, a lot of the runs that they dial up are those inside zone runs that work through him – but a lot of the times they were gaining two, three yards on those. But instead of using Tony Pollard, like with his shiftiness in space, as a lot of us media members would try to get them to do or would talk about. <laughs> yeah. But they saw the perimeter more runs as more of that secondary auxiliary category. And they don't run as much from the perimeter and saw that as kind of second nature. But after a while, it's like, well, if... You the primary isn't yeah. isn't working out, and Zeke's gaining like one or two yards up the middle. Then you got to change it out and bump up Tony Pollard in there somewhere. But I think with Tony, a lot of times they would use him on those kick returns and that dynamic factor that he has, like he did at Memphis. And his skill set reminds me a lot of Rashad White. Okay. Like when we drafted yeah. when we drafted him, that's immediately what I thought. Like that slash running style is a lot like Tony Pollard. Um, but I think with Kevontae Turpin that they have now and obviously what he put up in the preseason I think you're gonna have you're gonna see a lot more of Tony Pollard in the passing game now that they have him on special teams especially with their wide receiver core being as estimated as it is but where are they now with their offensive line have they not had injuries oh they have it is basically a complete new new front you still have Tyler Biotish at center I'm glad Um, you said that name they have print had no idea how to pronounce it say it again Tyler Biotish. Biotish? It's like yes. B-I-A-D-A-S-C-E okay, or something. Yeah, And then you still have, obviously, Zach Martin, right guard. All at pro left guard, Yeah, at left guard, they have – so they had Tyler Smith, their, the guy they picked in the first round. They had him working at left guard throughout the, like, minicamp OTAs, and then they just started, like, cross-training him at – left tackle after Tyron Smith's injury so now he's expected to start at left tackle in place of Tyron Smith and then Connor McGovern is starting at left guard and then one of the reasons I think they got rid of Lyle Collins was their belief in Terrence Steele who's going to start at right tackle it kind of sounds like our offensive yeah line. it's where, 100% yeah where are we at now? so a lot of a lot of new bodies in, okay. in so their offensive line Tyler Smith was probably the rookie I think he went 24th overall something like that yeah uh, he was probably going to be out Connor McGovern for the left guard spot yeah, yeah. Not had to yeah see. Because exactly. I don't know if they think of Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern more like a a, a good backup. Mm-hmm. And they and they lost Connor Williams, who you pointed out was very highly penalized last yes. year. He left a free agency for Miami, and then they released Leo Collins, as as Bree was saying, because belief in Terrence Steele, but also salary cap reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, and then on their defensive side of the ball, you have Dan Quinn, who I know you're a big fan of because I've yes, heard you talk about him. That before. I am. So go ahead and talk about Dallas's defense and Dan Quinn. Well, and set the scene by what they were before Dan. Quinn. Yes. Well, so yeah. good. We good. we all know the the lofty expectations that encompass the Cowboys every off season, right? Everybody overhypes them, and then we get to the actual season, and once again, it's one and done in the playoffs, and the same thing. It's like I mean, it's it's like Groundhog Day. Every year, it's the same. 
I just have to stop you for a minute. You slipped a Wii in there accidentally. I noticed that too, but I was going to let it yeah. slide. On what? When you were talking about the Cowboys, you accidentally said Wii, which. Oh, God. Right? Yeah, and I'm you, not She's editing. been telling me how she's and wearing. And I'm not, oh, no, I'm not going to edit out. No, that stays in. So it's. Okay. It, she, has, we're not she even, has claimed it hadn't even, allegiances. It hadn't even started, but it's Wii. So when, in this particular game, <laughs> she wins either way because if the Cowboys happen to be the no, Buccaneers. Jeff, no. She Brady, goes, Brady, okay. who are you rooting for this Sunday? Just so you know, I seriously purposefully purchased a red blazer, <laughs> an outfit for this game to show my allegiance. So trust me, I am all in on the box. See, this is how I am. I'm, I'm like you guys. We're getting paid this Friday, and I look to see whose name on the bottom of my check, and I'm like, yes. I, yeah. I was saying that was <laughs> they, a They slip. pay the bills. Yeah. She's spent they a lot pay. of time in a Cowboys rooting family. Yes. Yeah. You would say we've, you know, it's sure. just, I was just pointing out that you haven't completely weaned. I was going to let it go, but since I you it was brought funny. it, I, go ahead. But I, I did grow up a Cowboys fan, but I have long since moved away from gotcha. from that. Okay, just so so you know, we di- <laughs> we we digress. I believe too. yes. So now we'll get you off. But the, we'll get you off the defense. Yeah, and we'll Talk move on to so Dallas. Back to <laughs> what back a to segue Dan by Quinn. Jeff Ryan. Yeah, back to Dan Quinn and the Cowboys. <laughs> So he inherited a defense that was an absolute disaster and the laughing stock of the league in 2020 under the Mike Nolan experiment. And because he tried to use more of a, a 3-4, but their their personnel was fit in Taylor 4 at 4-3. Didn't work out. was absolutely terrible. They gave up a franchise-worst 473 points. And then Dan Quinn comes in. <laughs> That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, do the math. In 16 games, that's close to 30 points a game. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely got gashed. It didn't matter what team it was. Like, a, a lot of time, third string running backs were having career high days against Dallas. It was, it was a bad scenario. But like, Dan Quinn like came in. Dernis, Dernis Johnson of Cleveland. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that Seriously. game. What, I still have nightmares. Was he on your fantasy league no, or something? No, we just. <laughs> we, or did you get, we were talking or, about this Or yesterday. did you lose because someone had him on their fantasy no, league? No, we were talking right. about this yesterday because uh, Bree was pointing out some oh. of these topics. And, I said, and, I, and she mentioned the Cleveland game. I'm like. And she said it wasn't even Nick Chubb. Yeah. And yeah. I threw out yeah. Dennis Chubb. Oh, okay. he got, yeah, he got injured in like the first quarter. And they still, it didn't matter if it was like inside, outside. They completely gashed the Cowboys. For like the, 370 yeah, yards. The, right. Yeah, 370 yards. Seven. But anyways, Dan Quinn comes in. And in one year, they were seventh in the league and led the league in takeaways with 34. Yeah. But I think with one of the things that makes Dan Quinn so beloved by the teams that he is a part of is his hands-on coaching style and just the energy that he brings. Like, over and over in the locker room at practice, players would would talk about that. Like, I, I remember the Cowboys were going – didn't say we there. We're going to mm-hmm. face the Patriots, and they use a lot of, um, like, cut chop blocks. So, during practice, Dan Quinn puts on a helmet and goes out there and starts simulating it <laughs> and diving at players' knees during practice to get the point across. And and the players loved that and responded to that, but also he maximized players' skill sets in creating those like advantageous one-on-one matchups. But even when Demarcus Lawrence was out with injury, you had Randy Gregory out with COVID. Dorrance Armstrong was putting up his best performance that he's had as a Cowboy. You had Anthony Brown having probably the best year that he's had. You had J. Ron Curse, the free agent that – was an absolute tight end eraser that put up probably one of the best seasons of his car- career as well. 
And, and then, of a, course, they got a big contract out of it, didn't they? Yes. And then, of course, you have Micah Parsons that put up probably the most dominant performance we've seen from a defensive player as a rookie since Lawrence Taylor. So, are you saying. Did you hear that? That's big words. Those were. Biggest since rookie since yeah. Lawrence Taylor. Um, so, are you saying Dallas has a good defense right now? They do, yes. Okay. They have not changed a lot. No, not no. defensively. They haven't. Uh, and that's where that's where the identity of that team is now. Like it, it has long been the offense. We've all heard about mm-hmm. Zeke and Dak and all these playmakers, but it's moved away to the defense at at this point underneath Dan Quinn. Well, you know, you keep forgetting that you know Dallas when they went twelve games last year. Yeah, they were twelve. Yeah, five. so it's only uh, one less than the Buccaneers. Right. right. I mean, they're, they're one fewer. Right. So it'll be it'll be. Um, it's going to be a good matchup, would you yeah. say? Would you agree with that? This is a good matchup. It's a good, good test. First game out, kind of like last well, year, out of the box. Last year was expected to be a shootout, and it and was. It was. It wouldn't be terribly surprising, despite the fact of all the offensive talent and the two great quarterbacks, if either one or both defenses kind of took control of this one. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm leaning more towards the defenses taking control. This, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, this game. Yeah, this game. Ma- mainly because. Both teams are struggling with offensive line. They don't really know what they have yet until you get into a game action. And defenses are usually ahead of offenses in the beginning of the year anyway. So so go into a little more detail right. about what made Micah Parsons' rookie season so amazing. That was really fun to be a part of last year. I mean, I'm sure you guys can attest over the years of being in the NFL, there are certain players that they come on the scene, they emerge, and it was just fun to, to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy that – they drafted him out of Penn State to be that just kind of prototypical off-ball linebacker. And then during training camp, Dan Quinn put a lot on Micah to see, okay, what is this guy made of? What is he going to contribute? Where are we going to use him? And then during camp, he was everywhere. He was rushing the quarterback from all different positions. He was in coverage, and it was never too much for him. And so then – Starting the season, you had DeMarcus Lawrence go down in week two against the Chargers. During practice, he was solely working with the defensive end group, working on bend. It's kind of like, hmm, what are we? And then, of course, that Sunday, he lined up as a full-time D-end, and that's when the Cowboys knew what he was as a pass rush catalyst. And so then every week beyond that, Dan Quinn was working with him on – stunts and blitz packages every week at D-end and linebacker as a rookie. And, I mean, you saw just his production on the field. I mean, whether it was rushing A A gap, B gap, erasing tight ends in coverage, outpacing rushers to the sideline. Heck, he was even lining up as a corner on, on one play and breaking up a pass in the end zone. I mean, he just was an absolute menace on their defense. So how do you how would you guess the, the Cowboys will use him this year? They signed Anthony Barr. Is that a signal that they're going to – get some off-ball snaps from him and put Micah more in a pass-rushing role? I That isn't the sense I get. And f- even though he is as productive as he is on, on rushing the passer and kind of using that downhill closing speed, I mean – the, the more that the, the coaches are asked about that in Dallas, they, they come up with the same answer. Well, we don't want to compartmentalize him or pigeonhole him into one thing. Like – his ability to line up anywhere and wreck havoc is what makes him so dangerous to offensive coordinators. So they're like, if we put him at just DN, well, we're limiting what he's able to do. 
So I think from their standpoint, they want him to be that kind of the queen on the chessboard. They want to move him around everywhere where at this pre-snap, the quarterback has no idea where he's coming from. And it's harder to game plan for him during yes. the week. If you know he's going to exactly. be rushing off the right edge every time, it's a little easier. You may not exactly. stop him, but it's a little easier to know what you need to do. Yeah. I, right. would. <coughs> right. I will t- – I will s- let me t- – You got something? Yeah, between the two of you, uh, and this will show how much either of you know about the Cowboys, because if you can get this, it's impressive. Okay. So after the departure of Cedric Wilson – the, they released Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is not back from his knee injury yet. Mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb is their number one. Jeff, name another receiver on the Cowboys roster. I don't have, I have no clue. Ooh, buddy. You could probably name a couple. Or maybe all. Uh, Noah Brown, Simi Fayoko, Dennis Houston. Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you probably have not heard those names before, no. right? And they drafted a guy in the third round out of South Alabama named Jalen Tolbert. Yep, Jalen Tolbert. But you're talking about C.D. Lamb and virtually and nobody, nobody that is a proven NFL receiver right, right now. Kevontae Turpin, I guess, but he's right. probably more of a Well, and even Noah Brown, who I guess is going to be their number two at this point. I mean, he's predominantly been more of a an inline blocker. Really? Like creating so opportunities for other players, yeah. He was a seventh-round draft pick in 2017. I hadn't really heard of him. I mean, I think most Cowboys fans had barely heard of Cedric Wilson last year, but he was a, he was a pretty productive guy for them. And oh, yeah, and they used him a lot on trick plays because oh, he had experience at quarterback, so he would occasionally go in there and throw. <laughs> throw oh, yeah, yeah, great. All right, well, <laughs> that's what we have to watch for then, keep an eye out for the trick plays. I'm bouncing around here a little bit, but one more player that we'd like you to sort of break down for us is Trevon, Trevon Diggs. Oh, yes, yes. We, we know, I know in the bigger picture that he had a million interceptions last year, but I also always heard that he gave up a number of big plays yes. as well. Can yes, you, Can you put more detail on that for us? So, and I go into detail on this in the scouting report because for him, he's one of the most polarizing players to me on their roster because you look at the – ridiculous number of interceptions so clearly the the ball tracking the awareness the instincts are there but he also gave up over a thousand yards in coverage last year and was one of the worst and I think I, he was the I worst in the, the NFL. In yeah that. he was the worst in the NFL I know that from reading our scouting report he sounds like a catch 22 yeah but so it's like which one but I think the way that he the way that he plays because he plays more of that in phase as a corner so he trails the receiver a lot of times and is able to make a play on the ball and plays, you know, as opposed to being out of phase where you're in front of the receiver and you can basically play through the receiver's hands. He makes a play on the ball. So, but with that, that's also going to put you in a disadvantage and you're going to give up more yards that way. And that's what's happened. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens this season with him. But then again, I feel like the Cowboys have kind of always had that with some of their players. With with Byron Jones, it was the same way, but he was the opposite. He was tremendous in coverage, locked down, but he didn't have any interceptions. Couldn't get a pick. And rarely could ever get a pick. They've said that about some of our defensive backs. Yeah, I just, well. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they, talk, they talk about it themselves. We have not had a ton of interceptions. Carlton Davis gets his hands on a lot of footballs. Can't catch. Well, he's Worked determined to get better at turning those into interceptions. But, uh, yeah, he. I guess I, it'd be, I'd be curious to know, because in, an interception can be a game-changing play, particularly yes. if you return it for a touchdown. Uh, I'd be interested to know what the balance was, how many of the his big plays that he made 
uh, were important to wins compared to how many of the big plays he gave up were important to losses. It's probably not something that's easy to look up, but maybe you remember from the season. Um, so he had a stretch during – and a lot of the, the – the games where the defense was absolute, uh, there were a number of games where the defense had four, they had four takeaways in one game. And there were six consecutive games where Trayvon had at least one interception. Yeah, I remember that. That was crazy. Um, and I believe if memory serves correctly, a lot of the, the defensive production in that kind of hot stretch was during the part of the season where the offense wasn't very, wasn't playing very well. And, you know, teams were using the two eye shell, whatever. And so the defense truly did like carry that team through the second half of the season. Hmm. But it got to a point where, of course, the entire sideline was just revved by, by Trayvon Diggs and they would just wait, you know, like you would hear the mic'd up and they're like, when's Trayvon going to get a pick? <laughs> and then he gets one and then everybody's just going nuts. And they're, they were just waiting for him to get, you know, another one. So. It should be fun. I mean, it's a, I, I personally think it's the best matchup uh, to open the season. Bills-Rams is pretty good. Yeah. That it is. Yeah. Since we have the defending champs and the team a lot. Well, of I, re- I, was reading, the yeah, I was reading a story where they were saying, boy, do the Rams have a, a tougher schedule than any other Super Bowl winner uh, because the Bills are coming to town. And the look on your face was I was like, yeah, the Buccaneers had to travel to Philadelphia for their first game after. I do After winning the crap. Super Bowl, yeah, that did not make John Gruden happy. Well, no, and we that's because they were opening up their new stadium. Yeah. And that's what that was about. I so, do have a fun fact. So the Cowboys have never beaten Tom Brady. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Neither well, and, neither of the Falcons. And Dan Quinn is a Tom Brady away from a Super Bowl ring. No. So. <laughs> oh, twist the knife, Jeff. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's called a mic drop. <laughs> I thought Dan. I'm, I'm honest. I honestly thought Dan Quinn was a good head coach. He was Atlanta, for Atlanta. I did. I thought I it was a good thing for us when when they let him go. I yeah. know they. I know they declined he, after twenty. He truly. But, you know, when you look at Dan Quinn's staff, he had a really good staff. And look where you know Raheem Morris was on his staff. Uh, yeah. Kyle was on his. Uh, yeah. Shanahan was on his staff. I mean, he had a he had a really good young staff, and um, I, I agreed when they when they dismissed him. I thought that was gonna. I kind of hurt them, and they it and it has. What are they yeah, on another head coach now? A second head coach since he's been gone? No, it's been Arthur Smith Is the it? whole time. Yeah, he's okay. been there two years. Two years now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think there's a lot of people in Dallas that are hoping he's on that that uh, track rather yeah. than Kellen Moore. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They, uh, well, no, I wanted to ask about one more. Sure, player. go ahead. I'll let you go. Um, Jordan Lewis. Is it pronounced Jordan? Yes. It's it's a little strange. Of a Not spelling. Jordan. Well, there's there's a U in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I find him an interesting player. He's he plays in the slot, right? He's in, yes. in the nickel package, but he's a big dude for a corner. Is that correct? Yes. So he's, they call it like a big nickel. Relatively, yeah. Relatively. So do you know anything more? Can you explain him a little bit more? He he was interesting because he was a guy that was never really the starter, but every time he was put out there, he would make a ton of plays. And when Chris Richard came in and was the secondary coach uh, alongside. Rod Marinelli as the uh, defensive coordinator, he was kind of a guy that liked the long, the rangy. And so he didn't really necessarily have Jordan as one of the starters, basically just due to him being undersized. But every time he was put out there, he, you know, was a player that made a lot of great plays on the ball. But then again, also last year, if you look at some of the, 
we talk about the yards after catch given up on uh, the rankings and the scouting report, but Trayvon, Anthony Brown, and Jordan Lewis gave up the most yak yardage oh, okay. on the Cowboys last year. Right. Okay. I think Jordan was number yeah. was number two. Still, it was a pretty good defense overall. And when you have that, you also have I pronounce his name for me Osa Odig. Osa Odigizua. Odig- yeah, yeah, that guy. Bless you. You look at his stats from last year. He's sort of the three-tech right yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. You look at his stats from last year, he had two sacks. It doesn't jump off the page at you. But according to next-gen stats, he had 28 quarterback pressures, which w- which is yeah. a ton for that position. Well, you, you, you definitely know that that stadium is going to be crazy because it is the first game of the season for them at AT&T. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be extremely strange well, going they, back to AT&T Stadium, <laughs> but I'm excited to be on this side of but things. The good now. thing is you've got this press box scouted out well, and you know where like the slippery stairs are, right? Oh my gosh! You, you know which did, stairs did, to does be. Does Jr. Do you know the story, Jr.? No. The slippery so, stairs. She, I guess, yes. I guess our Bree is maybe a little bit clumsy. I, okay, I should have worn open-toed shoes today so I could show you. So I have a massive scar on my left foot. It was last it yeah last season was Thanksgiving, and I was leaving was leaving the facility or leaving the press box had laptop in tow coffee in this hand water in this hand, and my foot misses a step, and my legs roll under me as I slid all the way down, so I had massive bruises all along my legs from them hitting the stairs and carrying the brunt of my weight. But then as my legs went down, they scraped all the remaining stairs. So the entire front of my legs, like, was skinned. Skin missing all the way down. I still have a photo of it and slight PS- PTSD from those stairs. <laughs> but thankfully, there's there were, what, like five or six stairs? So I didn't break anything. But, so oh, it was a nasty, nasty when, fall. On Sunday night, we're in the press box, and you see Bree, like, taking a wide... Yeah. Well, is, there around. Around, is there another oh, way around? Is there another way around the stairs? I will be walking as slow as humanly so, possible. I don't because our broadcast booth is so far away. We're we're like in the end zone. Crap. So you're gonna do a little walking, and I think that press box is in the center. Is it? Yeah, almost. Like you guys are almost on the fifty yard line. That's surprising. I think it is. I think it's a, I, if I remember correctly, forty yard line, something re- like that. The, my the my pr- overall prevailing vision of that place because we've been there once is just that it's freaking huge yeah it's just it's a oh, very yeah. large it's, it's massive yeah it looks so huge on the inside there's like a car it's dealership a, inside the stadium yeah it, it's a it's a it's a strange place to call a game because basically you just call it off the board because oh, really? you're up against that huge board <laughs> yeah. and it's easier just to look at that than it is down on the but field a lot of time like in the press box though it's hard to see the jumbotron yeah no like you can't really even see i almost used the monitors like in what it, because I, I couldn't look up to see. Like it was a weird vantage point. That's what I find it. interesting because if you're on the sideline to watch the video board, you have to pick pick your head all yeah. the way up and look up to see yeah. for a replay. But it is a it is an interesting stadium for sure, and it should be fun. Yep. You, oh. got, you got anything else? No. Uh, just thanks to Bree for coming in. Yeah, we thank you, Bree. It was a last minute call. <laughs> I, it just occurred to me, like, wait, we're talking about the Cowboys. It's the only time all year we're going to be doing that, unless there's playoffs. We need to get Brian for this one. Yeah, and he come run. He came running down to my office, and he tells me the whole thing. And then I say, "Okay," I go, "Well," and then he goes, "I already asked her." It's okay. <laughs> By the way, it's it's actually old stamping grounds. 
Oh, yes. We've talked about this. What are we talking I about? I forgot, uh, though. The Which? phrase, everybody says old stomping grounds. Right. It's actually, the actual original phrase is old stamping grounds. It still means what you think it means. And really? But, you know, you, they yeah. say st- horses are stamping around. Yeah, yeah. How did it get to stomping? Probably just because it sounds more normal to people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, at this more point, natural at this feel point to it. it's, it's basically, they're both accepted. Okay. All well, right, that's thank it. Thank you for a that. Bit of, little bit of a, uh, and keep And as you listen to this podcast, as you lesson. watch the game, see how accurate Bree was or was not on who she predicts was good and bad of the Dallas Cowboys. I believe the prediction that Micah Parsons is a good player would uh, probably prove to be it true. Could, it yeah. could be all right. It could be. You might you might be safe with that one. All right, Bree, thank you so much for your time, and You're we'll welcome. see you later. Thank you. The Salty Dogs. And we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast, our last segment, and that's your segment, you the fans. Yeah. Send us questions. The fun, the fun segment. Well, they're all segments are fun. This is more funner. <laughs> is it, get you on another rant. <laughs> you did that on purpose. I did. Um, Bree, I told you she would, she'd have the Cowboys unlocked. She, does, she does know her Cowboys. She does. Um, and football. I mean, I was learning stuff when she was talking about the way that um, – uh, Trevon Diggs covers. She was calling it in phase when they trail the receiver uh-huh. and then make a play on the ball. Yeah. Um, that was interesting. Um, any case, that thank you very much to Bree for that. That was uh, very informative. And like I said, if you want to see more detail in print, read your scouting report, which should be up today. Uh-huh. Today being Wednesday. Correct. All right. Now we're on to the fan questions. Ready? This one actually is a response to our answer to a question from a guy named Jeremy last week. All right. Okay. Sure. He was the one who said um, they, li- they live in Vermont, but they had a um, oh, home in Florida. Oh, that's right. And, we I, were, read and, uh, and I said, can't hide money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Thanks for reading my question and chatting about it. Quick disclaimer up front. We are far from wealthy. Ah. <laughs> and our small second home outside of Tampa is literally a small trailer camp that, that's not directly on the water, but you can see the bay from there. Okay. Now we're getting a disclaimer. Uh-huh. Uh, I, so he likes to embellish a what no, he No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I exchanged a few emails with him just to make sure that uh, we hadn't... Um, Offended him? Offended him, and everything's cool. Oh, and Everybody's no. cool. We're, we're not here to offend. We may be a little salty in our replies, but it's not a personal But thing. also, when I went la-di-da, I was just joking. Uh, uh, I don't care. But did he laugh? He, uh, yeah, he said he was did. fine with it. He's yeah, fine. sure. Uh, but I don't care. No. Hey. If you're filthy rich or... If, if you're that blessed... Rubbing then, dimes together. There you go. It doesn't know. matter to me in terms of answering these questions. Right. I'm with you. Okay, so I've definitely been raised in a low, middle-class, hardworking family. And luckily, when my mom retired from her job at the University of Vermont, she sought out a small getaway camp in Florida to escape the cold Vermont weathers. Mm. Sorry for the misrepresentation. It definitely wasn't meant to be a humble brag or a la-di-da oh, no. moment, as Jeff said on the show. And they sent me another email and said, update, it was actually you. Who said? said la-di-da, uh-huh. which is true. But was merely trying to explain why the Bucks feel in a way like a home team does. That's great. Yeah, no. Great. And oh, by the way, I, I've been to Vermont. I, I actually... I've was, never uh, been there. Beautiful. Yeah. It is very. It is and, Montpelier. Um, am I pronouncing that right? I don't know. That's I, the capital, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. I don't know that. Concord, New Hampshire. Yeah. From Montpelier, Vermont. I think so. I um, Which one is has the base? It's it's New Hampshire that has the wider base yeah. tapering up, right? And then Vermont fits the, it like yeah. a puzzle piece. Yeah. Vermont um, actually uh, was up there during the winter time and went skiing there. It was really people near, drive trucks there. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't they? 
I just feel like that's For, well, sort yeah. of an outdoors. Well, kinda. you you have to plow the driveways, so <laughs> you do need a truck. It helps, but no, I I'm it's really nice up there. The people are very very friendly. Um, you don't remember what city you went to? Uh, I think Concord. That's New Hampshire. I just told you. Oh no, okay. That's the capital of New Hampshire. All right, maybe I don't remember. Um, I have to check. Maybe you were in New this Hampshire. This was no. This was some time ago. Maybe you were in Maine. Oh, I've been to Maine. I know all about Maine. Banger, Maine, <laughs> Portland. Did you get some lobster? Uh, why else would you go to Maine? It's like you have to get crabs when you go to Baltimore. Sure. Yeah, something like that. But no, we we you know I'm glad that he I'm glad he came back with Dang all it. of that. I, I I feel bad now because I continue to read this. I realize I, I forgot to follow up completely. What's that? Uh, in regards oh. to the 2019 season episodes, remember he was trying to find the oh right in right the current. Yeah, you said they were on the website. Stephen said they were on yeah. the website, but we need to find them. So okay, I can send a link. I okay. forgot to do that. Okay, well, I got to follow up on that. Talk with Stephen because he'll know where it is. Um, unfortunately, well, they've tried on the website. I'm, I'm paraphrasing you. Yeah, they can't no. find anything except the final episode in 2019. Uh, so I got to remember to do that. Again, thank you for taking the time to read my question slash story, and I'm sorry it was so long. I just wanted to paint the full picture of what football has meant in my life and how Tom's career and his transition to Tampa was exciting for our family. Okay. Truly wanted to take our hats off to the entire Bucks organization, as well as the media team for creating such great content that can be an inspiration to so many. Right. Best, Jeremy. Well, Jeremy, thanks a lot. Yeah, that's very nice. And, and thanks for taking the ribbing. And I'm, I'm sorry I forgot to uh, follow up on that. I yeah, will we'll know. get into that. All right, next one from an Alex C. in Wichita. I know this we've unless we've got several Wichita fans, because uh-huh. I remember us discussing Wichita sure. before. I've never been there either. He was a lineman for the county. He's a Wichita lineman. You well, don't remember what is that, that reference? Some you, old song? Yeah, it is. Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell. I've heard of Glenn Campbell. There you go. What's Glenn Campbell's most favorite, famous song? Well, Wichita lineman would be one. <laughs> <laughs> Can you name another one? Oh, gosh, he had so many of them. He had his own TV show. Yeah, back so you in the should day. be able to think of one then. Mm-hmm. Why don't you use your little computer there? If I your told you, handheld computer. If I told you how many songs Glenn Campbell had, you would just go. He, he songs he'd or say, hit songs. Hit songs. He'd say, um, "Hi, I'm Glenn Campbell." <laughs> so is he country? Yeah, well, very much so. Okay, well that's very why I don't know so. anything about him. Uh, he was married to Tanya Tucker too, if I remember. I've correctly. heard that name too. Um. Okay. See if you can can, find one. uh, You keep going. Hit the button, Jeff. I noticed that. You did good. Going to Okay, this is Alex C. from Wichita. Going to the Bucks game in Dallas, then we'll be in Tampa for the Chiefs game, hoping for a couple Bucks wins. That would be good. Wow. That would be good. Yeah. Um, Um, Here you go. Southern Knights, Rhinestone Cowboys. Oh, I remember Rhinestone Cowboys. That was a big one. Rhinestone Cowboys. Wichita lineman, by the time I get to Phoenix, was a big hit for him. Uh, Gentle on My Mind was, I think was I heard another that one. one. Galveston, that's a big one. I think you got to say Rhinestone Cowboys is the biggest song. Yeah, right? well, that was, that was, or Like a Rhinestone. Like, like a, a Rhinestone, Rhinestone Cowboys. But that was also from a movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember any of the other words. Sure. Yeah, he also did True Grit, which was John Wayne's movie that he got a Oscar in. Okay, that's But enough. continue. Uh, when discussing the Arians slash Leftwich system, the common thing said is that it relies on the receivers winning one-on-one coverage. I don't know if I hear I that. I don't know that either. When comparing this system to something like the Shanahan 49ers Packer system that seems to scheme players open with route combos, what's the advantage to what the Bucks do? It's worked great with Brady, but when receivers don't win a route, it's tough. Well, that's any formula. If receivers don't win the, the route. Yeah. Well, his point is that um, 
Shanahan is widely known for being able to draw plays uh, with com- combo routes uh-huh. that um, and, and lots of times misdirection or motion prior to the snap mm-hmm. and uh, that just scheme guys wide open. So he can like he he's given a lot of credit for getting a whole lot out of Jimmy Garoppolo, even though obviously since they traded they drafted Trey Lance and and all that, they don't think he's the quarterback. You know, they're the quarterback, the best quarterback they can get. Right. Yet, with Jimmy Garoppolo, they made a Super Bowl and another NFC Championship game. And uh, a lot of people give Kyle Shanahan credit for that. Did something else with the the quarterback last name of Mullins. I can't think of his first name right now, but uh, just basically a career backup, but got a nice little stretch of very productive play from him. And yes, Kyle Shanahan is known that, but he's he's like the guy that's known for that. And um, I guess it's just... It's not like the Buccaneers' offense does not have combination routes and does not have plays that are intended to scheme guys wide open. That's probably the strength of Shanahan, but this you can't argue with the strength of what we have done right. because we've basically been the most productive offense in the entire league over the last two years. So I don't know right. why you'd be concerned about it. Sure, sometimes you guys aren't going to win the routes, but when you're when you're passing for 310 yards per game, yeah, but when you're scoring a lot of points, you got to find something wrong. With so it. you, but and that's why people talk about also, it. Also, well, I mean, I don't, I don't get this question to be overly critical. No, no, no. I think it's just trying to. He's he's trying to find out why he's hearing people say that. So, I I think also, if he's talking about running receivers winning one on ones, what this coaching staff does, and a lot of coaching staffs do or, or tried to do, is play to the strengths of their players. Mm-hmm. You have great receivers who can win routes. Mike Evans obviously can win routes. He gets deep more than you would expect because he's got that deceptive speed that just gets by you. Right. But he can win a lot of different types of routes, sure. and he can win contested catches. Chris Godwin obviously is a fantastic route runner. That's why he's so good out of the slot. We've talked last week about Julio Jones and how he scares the, the DBs with his straight-line speed, and then on a dime he's cutting across the middle or to the sideline and creates separation like that. And he's wide open. So that's another way of scheming guys open, you know, right? right. And now you got Russell Gage. You got Scotty, who, who beats people with his speed. Um, Surprise him. You got Jalen Darden. We'll see what we can make out of him. Um, I think you just got – and then obviously you have the greatest of all time, who is unbelievably accurate and also knows where he's going with the ball all the time. Right. And and so it makes sense to, to have that sort of offense, you know. If, you, if you've got a brilliant offensive mind like – Kyle Shanahan, which most people think he is, who's very good at scheming players open, yeah, that's a strength. And you got a guy like Debo Samuel who's really good. And if you can get George Kittle the ball in the open field, he's a, he's a dominant force. Some teams are better at that. Some teams are better at what we do. Uh, you know, And also, defenses figure out how to adjust, eventually adjust to everything. Right. So defenses will figure out how to adjust to what Kyle Shanahan is doing and he's got to figure out different ways to scheme guys wide open. And th- it's just a constant cycle. Correct. I don't know. I think we're just playing to our strengths. Yeah. That, well, that's, that's isn't that the goal? It's playing yeah, towards yeah. your strengths. So yeah. that at the end of the day, you're good. What else you got? Who else we got? Ahoy Salties. Ah. This is from Bobby Munster, who's a season ticket holder in L.A. Okay. Can you guys use your collective vast knowledge – and explain collective, you know, between yeah. the two of us, we have vast and knowledge. vast, yeah. Explain, like, I have between the two of us, we have a vast knowledge of radio, yeah. Between right. the two of us, two of us, yes, All right. Um, I have virtually none, right, and you have a lot, okay. Um, explain, I we have a pretty good knowledge between us of fantasy football, 
Yeah. Our, our fancy football <laughs> knowledge combined is pretty good. Yes, yours is very strong. Mine is nil. <laughs> I do know you have to draft people. That's all I know. <laughs> and people walk around angry all the time because – Whoever they picked didn't do what they were supposed to do. Dang it. I have an auction draft tonight. Uh, see, there you go. Whatever That's one that where is. you don't – instead of picking them in a row, right. like it's my pick, not your pick, yeah. not your pick, Yeah. you you put a player up for auction and uh, then people can bid on them and continue they, to bid. Okay. So you might get you might get Justin Jefferson for $60. Sure. You know what I'm saying? All and right. you have $200 to spend or something uh, like that. I see. Not real money. No, but you're under a cap, so you have to uh, right. plan accordingly. Okay, so what is this – Fantasy, I can hardly can, wait. Can you use your collective vast knowledge and explain the me- mechanics with injury settlements? Oh. It's not a fancy question. No. I read an article about Rashard Robinson receiving, receiving one from the Bucks. As always, appreciate the award-winning podcast. I can take this, Jeff. Go. So this generally most often happens with players that you waive injured. Mm-hmm. That means you're waiving them, but they also at that time have an injury that would keep them from being on the field right then. Correct. Those guys pass through waivers. If they're not claimed by a team, they automatically revert to your injured reserve list. Okay? Okay. Lots of times, these injuries are not injuries that would keep them out for an entire season, most of the time. So what happens is the medical staff comes up with an estimate of how long this injury would keep the player out. Okay. And you get an injury settlement of that many weeks of your salary, plus one, I believe. All right. So if they tell you he's he's going to miss three weeks, then you get an injury settlement of four four weeks back. Okay. I think it's that. I think it's plus one. Okay. It could possibly be plus three. Now and then after you do an injury settlement because now the team doesn't owe you anything. You don't owe the team anything. And when you get healthy, you can sign anywhere. Can go anywhere. Yeah. Okay. If and it that- happens, if it happens after you make it through to fifty three which Richard Robinson is not the case right. there, then you could even re-sign with the Bucks. But if it's before, like Richard Robinson was put on in, or was waived injured on the cut down. I think he just was actually put on injured reserve on the cut down to 53. So he didn't make it to the 53. Right. So he can't come back and play for us this year. But now that he's gotten this injury settlement, he's a free agent. He can sign with anybody anytime he wants okay. to. But he will get paid by the Buccaneers for those for the amount of weeks that he would have missed, plus I think one, but it might be three weeks. I can't right. remember at the moment if it's that's, one or three. That's a good explanation. Yeah, and you can do that with anybody on injured reserve, but when it's a guy like, um, say, Aaron Stenney, right. you, know, you know he's out for yeah. the year. You can't return. They generally stay on injured reserve and get their full pay because your injury settlement would have been the whole season right. anyway. Right. So you keep them around and help and them rehab. You want, yeah, and you keep them, <clears throat> get them back, and you may want Well, he'll keep. be a free agent next season, yeah. so. But um, it's good for the player, too, because they use sure. the facilities and the, and the medical staff yeah. to get rehab. Um, so that's basically how it works. And, uh, and and the whole point is these are players without injury, with injuries that wouldn't keep them out for the whole year. But you don't want to keep them on injured reserve, so you, you work out an injury settlement. Right. That's how it works. Good job. Okay. Um, one more. And it's kind of related. Oh, kind it's from of. Our, it's our first one in a couple of weeks right. that I've read. Down from, from Brazil. Yep, yep, you guessed right. it. Alexander Nascimento. Ahoy, salty ones. Hope this finds you both well. It does. I'm assuming you were doing a later episode this week, and I actually think this was last week. Yeah. Since I don't believe you would find time to do it yesterday with so much going on. That was cut day. Yeah. He was writing this, I yeah. believe, on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. and the cut day was Tuesday. Pretty crazy offseason, huh? Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit with the with the Brady thing. Yeah. 
And then, but I, there were some teams that definitely had crazier offseason. Yes, yes. Um, Ours was just more well known because it's TB12. Did you see the state of the Raiders' most recent, like five first round draft picks? Yeah, they're gone. They're all gone. Yeah. The one they picked in the first round, like 17th overall last year, uh-huh. they cut Alice yeah. Leatherwood, but they're right. all gone. Right. I mean,. What was his first name? Suggs, the receiver. I can't think of his first name. The receiver that Terrell, not Terrell. That's nope. obviously not Terrell Suggs. No, can't think of his first name. But he was. Anyways. he was the kid. He was the guy who made a terrible mistake and killed somebody in a, yeah, in a Las Vegas right. car accident. So that it's hard to blame them for that one, yeah, you unless can't. you say you know you didn't evaluate character very well or right. something. Yeah, but it's more just guys that are just completely missing on. And yeah. they're players that at the time, which is kind people of, said that's a weird pick. Which was which was also interesting because Mike Mayock was at one time the NFL combine guru of I'm watching all this film. These are the people that we should get. So, but you also don't know who's actually pulling when it's well, when it's Gruden and Mayock yeah, who actually made who the made the call and sure. But yeah, like and Damon in, Arnett. And in fairness, you know, did they have time to develop them? Some of them. You know, they're still there. But, is, there is a new coaching staff, so they right. tend to purge. And then the other side is: Do these guys get picked up by somebody else and get a new lease on life? Yeah. And all of a sudden, they become well. Alex whatever. Leatherwood got picked up by the Bears. Okay, who so, probably have the worst offensive line I, in the league. Yeah, so they could use the help. We'll see if he sure. Can make it happen. Sure. I mean, people thought he was going to be like a second round pick. Yeah. So it's not like people thought he was going to be bad. No, they, they just, just didn't think he was worth the seventeenth overall pick, and he was going to be your starting left tackle. Yeah. People are like, nah, uh-uh. nah. Like when they took Damon Arnett, the corner. There's just been a number of them in the last five years where at the time they were picked, people were like, that's wow. a weird pick. Yeah. But they were, oh, um, the, the guy from um, Clemson that they picked fourth overall, Farrell, Cleveland Farrell. Everybody thought fourth overall. We thought that guy was going to go 20th. Right. And he hasn't done, done much at all. No. And they made some nice picks along the way, like sure. Max, Max Crosby. Mm-hmm. He's like a fourth or fifth round pick. He's been great. So you know they have some good picks, but that'll whew. be a, that'll be a fun team to watch because I think Rich Bisaccia did a nice job taking over mm-hmm. for for Gruden, getting them in the playoffs, winning a playoff game. I think they'll be good and, offensively. And then they're huh? I think they'll be good yeah. offensively. Yeah, I don't know about their defense. Yeah. So. Yeah, Rich did a great job. Yeah, great job, yeah, And Rich, unfortunately, well, fortunately for Rich, but unfortunately for us. us, is he went to the Packers, and the Achilles' heel for the Packers was special teams, and they were uh, struggling last year, and he's taken over. And I, I read a story about uh, on on um, Rich Bisaccia and Rich's friends of ours, and um, it was funny because I guess he started his first meeting as the only I in this room is ha. How can I help? Hmm. Which I thought was pretty good. Well, there was probably not a better off-season marriage than Rich Basaccia and the Packers special teams. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know he's good at it, and yeah. they really And supposedly help. he's like one of the highest-paid special teams people there ever well, was. Well, good for him. So that's what good. I said. Good for him. You know, uh, Jim Harbaugh in mm-hmm. Baltimore has proved over a number of years now to be one of the best coaches in the NFL. And, and he was special, a special teams, teams coach. One of the few special teams right, coaches. I mean, Joe they Judge, made. I think, did the same thing, but that didn't, really that work didn't out. go out too well. No. All right, that wasn't his question, though. Okay. Do the Bucks have a team medical doctor? Oh. Like one responsible for player's health, like a medical HC, medical head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a medical – well – No, he's he, just making it. Yeah, yeah, no, but no, what I'm saying – Is there though, a specific team doctor is the question? There used to be, totally, but is who is it now? I thought it was – now it's a group. Is yeah, it I think it's gone away here a little bit from the one recognizable guy – that you have for years, like Diaco. Yeah, Joe Diaco, Joe Diaco Joseph Diaco from had, 76 to 
gosh, somewhere in the 2000s. And then after that, we we did have like specific orthopedists that um, we had for many, many years. Sure. I don't remember everyone's name. He's now with uh, the Dolphins. Or he's now, he's out of Miami, but he's now do, uh, head of with We just saw him Titans. Yeah, he's that's with right. the we Titans because Todd Torricelli was a trainer yeah, yeah. here, developed a relationship yeah. with that. There's a comfort level with right. all of that. But there is a number of doctors. Uh, yeah, I don't are, think we list around. a specific team doctor anymore, right? No. But it there's like four, if I'm not mistaken, travel on every game. Well, yeah, you need them. You know, plus, plus massage therapists. But, I mean, uh, uh, four, four. I mean, we recognize them, but they're not guys that have been around for like 10, 12 years. Yeah, like no. That used no. to be the case. They're the guys that you see and they say, hi, hi. And then you go, who is that? Oh, that's one of the doctors. They go, well, who's that? That's the radio guy. You know, that yeah. type of thing. I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at the um, – at our on our app on right. our, our staff listing uh-huh. where they we would like the Diaco is always listed there. Sure. We have all kinds of medical staffers like trainers yeah. and things like that. Oh well, okay. There you it go. Does list uh, yep. Dr. Moran. Okay. He's listed as our head team physician. There you there go. You I go. Did, I guess I didn't realize that. We also have a primary care doctor listed, right. a team orthopedic surgeon, uh, another doctor that says orthopedics, two more doctors that say orthopedics. So it looks like a team of 5. Okay. Um, it's just that these guys haven't been around uh, our team for the length of time that some of the guys we remember about. Well, the other problem, too, is we have been out of the loop with the football right. staff for two years. Yeah. We've been doing our jobs not being connected, almost like a fan. You, you know, yeah. compared definitely not connected. Definitely not. You don't have the interactions of every day with football. Yeah. We, we used to interact with those doctors all the time. Right. And have conversations with them, and you know, if I had an ailment, you see him on the plane. Hey, you know. Well, when I tore my ACL, right, and he grabbed your knee and went, just yeah, barely yeah, touched it. Yeah. yeah, you got a torn ACL. Right. So yes. So in fairness to you and I, we are now just getting back with. And tra- that's who we need to traveling. be fair to. Yes. You and me. Absolutely. We deserve justice. If, if we don't be fair to ourselves, <laughs> who are we going to be fair to? I just. Throw that out there. So yes, we do have we do have a team doctor. We have several yep. team doctors, um, and so and there's one that's considered the head team physician, yep. and that and, will always be the case. And also, and also, just you know, players also have their own doctors. I mean, you have your team doctor, but then a player will hmm. can go get a second opinion. second opinion if they choose. There's there's the comfort level. Um, it's comfort level with the training staff. You know, Bobby Slater does a great job. Of course. Players get comfortable with Bobby. If Bobby says, hey, you need to go do this, you trust him, you go do it. So it's a, it's a group effort. Yep. All right. What else? That's it. That's the last question. Well, that's good. Yep. All right. All right. Thanks All right. to Bree again. Yep. For coming on. That's staff writer, Brianna Dix. And then next week. Uh, Cowboys expert. We yep. don't think we have a uh, Saints expert in the building, so we'll just no. have to go back to interviewing players. Well, that's it. That's the goal, and we we got to work on it because we got to get back into a rhythm. And for those of you who can't wait for the next episode of Salty Dogs, it will be coming out on Wednesdays. That's our goal to have it consistently. Late Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Probably late afternoon Wednesdays. Yes, not and it's too gonna late. Be on, but it's going to be on Sirius XM too. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out where if it's on the Sirius XM app. I'm checking into it. I'm waiting to, to get a final word, and once we get that, we'll we'll post that and let you know too. So, anything else? Uh, nope. That's it. All right, well, let's go to Dallas. Since you did, thanks for listening.